Well, man, what what testimonies these students have shared with us today and first service. Again, we'll put those online. You want to hear the stories of the other students that, as well. It was all it was all <laughs> it was all threaded by the Holy Spirit. Just about everyone were filled with, with, the, with the gift of tongues, which we believe is a Pentecostal church, and we'll learn this as we go through the Holy Spirit study. Is, is one of the first evidences of being filled by the Holy Spirit is, is speaking in other tongues. And so we can't be afraid of that. That's what's important about the study on the Holy Spirit is he'll teach us about the gifts. He'll teach us about these things. All right, Mike, I don't want to go there yet. So we'll save that battery for next week. Hallelujah. But I want to get into this message. I got 20 minutes or so to go ahead and, and, and share what's in my heart concerning compassion. No one want to hear about compassion, huh? Is everybody okay? Yeah. 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 Give me your best shout. And then I can know that Great minds here. So we started this series last week entitled Illuminate. And it's kind of like this, this thing that the Lord put in my heart about, about talking about the attributes and the, or virtues of, of a godly person. And we read this verse in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. It says that we're known by our fruits. Remember? It's plural. You can't call yourself a Christian and, and a godly person if you just got one fruit. You got to have a couple fruits, amen. It's a bag full of fruits right there. Look at that. See? Now you can say that's a bag of fruit, or you can say that's a bag of fruits. And I want people to say about me that's a bag of fruits. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to be a bag of fruits. I don't want to be a fruit bag. I'll be a fruit bowl. How's that? Fruit salad? Yummy, yummy. That's veggie tales for all you younger people that have kids growing up in that generation. Uh, but it's pluralized. In other words, the children of God are people, I believe, are three things. We talked about the first one last week. People of character, people of compassion, and people of conviction. Godly character is what we talked about last week. It reflects the beauty of Jesus Christ. And I said this, and some of you got mad at me, that God is more concerned about our character than he is our comfort. Yeah. He wants you to be comfortable, trust me. But if you're resistant in the area of character, he might make you a little uncomfortable so that you grow in that regard. Amen? Amen. And we said that character is a choice. It's not something we're born with. It's not a gift that we receive on our birthday, which is coming up for me. I'm getting older. Oh, I'm younger. Younger. I am getting younger. Thank you, Mr. Mike, for correcting me. And it's built up over time by making the right choices on a daily basis. Are we allowed to make bad choices? Yes, we are. We should, we should be getting better by those. We can make bad. We're people. Hit yourself. Does it hurt a little bit? It's because you're still flesh. All right? You are going to make mistakes. Give yourself a little bit of room to make mistakes. Don't make that as an excuse because Paul said in Romans... Oh, if we continue to sin because it's okay, can we do that? He said, certainly not. That's not okay. It's not okay to know to do right and to not do it. Those, those things aren't okay. But it is okay to make mistakes. It is okay to fall short of the expectations. Because I don't know about you, but I have pretty high expectations on myself. I think sometimes my expectations are higher than what the Lord has put on me. The call is high. It's irrevocable. It's without repentance. But mistakes are okay. Matter of fact, God likes cleaning up your mess sometimes. Because you know what that means? It means you're actually doing something. If you're not making a mess, it means you're doing nothing. 
But if you're doing something for Christ, and you're doing something for the Lord, you will be making a little bit of a mess, and that's okay. There's nothing you can do that God can't clean up. Amen? Yes. So today I want to talk to you about the second characteristic, and I want to talk to you about compassion. I want to read you this text out of the NLT. Luke chapter 6. It really reads the same in the, in the New King James, but the last, two, the last uh, verse uh, uses the word compassionate. That's uh, why I chose this, because it's really what it's talking about. It says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. He goes on to say, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Verse 36, read this with me. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. It's not, it, that's a command. You must, he didn't say, you should be, you might want to think about being. He said if you're a Christian, one of your fruits should be compassion. You must be compassionate. I'm going to give you a quiz. I know you didn't come to church for a quiz, right? Pastor Ron, I'm not going back to school for three weeks. That's easy. You'll, you'll like this one, okay? I'm going to give you a word. You tell me it's opposite, all right? The opposite of fast. Slow. You guys are good at this already, see? This is not hard, I told you. The opposite of long is? Short. The opposite of hot is? Cold. The opposite of young? Cold. Don't say Pastor Tiny. That was not very nice. I heard that. <laughs> I love you, brother. Uh, 39. Two times, right? For the 22nd time. For the 22nd time. There you go. The opposite of soft. The opposite of sour. Sweet. The opposite of high. The opposite of love. Hate. Hate. Some of you are on track to where I'm going with this. I'm not really sure about that being the opposite of love. Hate. I've come to realize that the greatest insult against a, a human being, against a, uh, another person, is not to hate them, to, but to be apathetic towards them, or indifferent is another way of saying that. Apathy, I believe, is the opposite of compassion. Here, here's the definition of apathy. Not taking any interest in anything. Not bothering to do anything. It's a lack of emotion or concern. Anybody ever heard of George Bernard Shaw? He was a Christian author, uh, famous author. He wrote this. He said, the worst sin toward our fellow persons is not to hate them, but to be indifferent towards them. That's the essence of inhumanity. In other words, it's inhuman, inhumane to be apathetic. It's, it's inhumane to not have compassion. And we're going to draw our text today from Matthew chapter 9. This is where we're going to be in talking about what I want to share with you. And I, and I purposely made this message short because I knew that the students would be, would be um, sharing today. But I'll tell you what, this topic is not short. It's a topic that we need to really get down in our heart. But I'll tell you what, I don't have to preach for 40 minutes for the Holy Spirit to do something in this regard. Amen. We can read the Word of God and pray right now and God can do everything that He needs to do. 
in that. But I'm going to preach to you for a minute. Matthew chapter 9, it says this. Verse 35, it says, Then, you know what, let's stop for a minute. Let me pray. I've been praying all night, praying all morning, but I want to publicly declare my, my dependence upon the Lord this morning to bring forth this word. God, because this word is too, too important in the Christian life. It is one of the fruit that we should be walking in. We should be walking with the gift, with the evidence of compassion in our lives, Lord, that the church should be filled with compassionate people who love you. And God, I pray that your, your Holy Spirit today would just anoint my lips. God, help me to, to bring forth the word of God and, and let our ears be attentive, Lord. Let our hearts be open. If there's any area in our heart where, where we become apathetic or indifferent or hardened towards uh, brothers and sisters or even our enemies, that the scripture we just read says, that you have opened our heart and, and soften it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now read verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? Compassion. For them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, this is what the students have been saying already, truly, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know why they say that? They, they do the same thing that we do as adults. We don't look at the true harvest reapers. There are laborers, people, and they're the young people. They're the, they're the generation that's coming up right now. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Listen, Jesus demonstrated compassion just in these four short verses that we just read. He, he was demonstrating what compassion looks like. He was, he was showing how not to be apathetic. What we need to do to, to overcome apathy in our life. Jesus opened his eyes to, to what was going on around him. He, the number, number one point there is Jesus saw the crowds. His eyes were open. Jesus didn't turn a blind eye to those people who were hurting. Or, and he didn't pretend that he wasn't there. That they weren't there. He didn't isolate them himself from the realities of the world around him. Don't you know that we live in probably one of the most sinful cities in the United States? Many, many people that don't come here to pastor like me would, would equate it to Sodom and Gomorrah. I have said several times before I moved to Las Vegas that if God doesn't repent for what's going on in, in Las Vegas, he's going to have to repent or do something about what's going on in Las Vegas. He's going to have to repent for Sodom and Gomorrah. But that's, that's apathy. It's having a heart in the heart. You know that grace abounds much more? We just talked about this, that, 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 that the church in Las Vegas is growing. Everywhere else in the United States, the church is declining. Numbers, attendance, we were packed. There wasn't an open seat in the house today. And there's another 40 or 50 here today. That's awesome. It's the way it should be. We should be filling up both services. We should be pushing into another service. Amen. We should be filling up Sunday Night Live. Uh, our family night, 70, we're, at, we're tracking 70 people a week. It's growing. <laughs> And that many come to the Bible study, I don't have enough books. That's a good problem, man. We'll share. We'll look over each other's. We'll do koinonia. Hallelujah. But Jesus, he didn't isolate himself from, from the realities of the world. Matter of fact, he made himself aware of their needs by giving his full attention. That's compassion. As a rescue mission director, I can't tell you how many times I, I would talk to people that 
were completely apathetic towards the homeless community. Completely indifferent. Just turning a blind eye. They, they, would, they would tell me stories and, and they would say things like, well, uh, I'm probably just being an enabler to their drug addiction. Well, what makes you assume that they're a drug addiction? You know, one thing I discovered about the homeless community is most of them, some of them are there because they're alcoholics and drug addicts. A lot of them become alcoholics because of their homelessness. And for one reason, living in Victorville, the high desert, it gets cold. They're trying to stay warm, and all of a sudden they're addicted to a substance and now can't get out of their homeless predicament. So people would come to me all the time, well, I just don't give them money. I, you know, uh, when I see somebody that's homeless on one side of the street, I'll switch sides of the street, and I'll, I'll walk down the other side. They don't make eye contact because they're, they're afraid that they're going to ask them for money. Yeah, they probably are. And they probably might even do what you assume. Well, they're just going to use it for drugs or alcohol. Maybe. Is that on you? No. It's not on you. That's on them. That's between them and God. Our responsibility is to see the need and be, be compassionate towards it. I'm not saying you have to empty your pockets every time you see a homeless person. Amen. You have to use the gift of discernment in that regard. I don't, I don't hardly ever give homeless people money, but I do every once in a while. I can be for that. Yeah, if the Holy Spirit... That I don't or that I do? <laughs> yeah, I know. I just don't do it all the time. I, I'll try to help them f find resources that they need to help their lifestyle, but sometimes the Holy Spirit says, just give them some money. Don't worry about what they're going to do with it. We justify our actions by saying, I would be enabling their addiction or their habit. They're probably better off without my money. And I'm not just talking today about having compassion towards homeless people. I'm talking about having compassion towards every 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 instance that's out there that, that people will find themselves in predicting. You know, it's e we, we believe it's easier just to ignore the problem. But Jesus doesn't call us to do the easy thing, does he? He didn't call us to say, do the easy thing, take the easy way out. I think that was an eagle song, wasn't it? Lucky I'm not singing it because I can't remember the words right now. <laughs> My wife said, Woo! I actually can see him singing that key, kind of. Okay, okay, we're going to move on. I don't have time to sing, that's the problem. He calls us to get out of our comfort zone so we can look directly at the brokenness of our world. You have to be able to see that. You, you can't be apathetic towards it, you can't, you can't just turn a blind eye to it. Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, that looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, Jesus wants us to see the harassed. He wants us to recognize the, the helpless people, the broken people, the people who are oppressed. Jesus spent most of his time hanging out with those kind of people, and I believe we should spend some time hanging out with them as well. Amen? Yeah. That's really what, what, what Lowe's of Love is. That's really what a food bank ministry is. It's spending time with people so that you can show them the love of God. It's not the preaching. If you're coming on the team on Lowe's of Love to go out there and preach to these people, I'm going to ask you to leave the laundromat. I don't even know if I can do that because it's a public place. I'm not going there to preach the gospel. I'm going there to live the gospel out in front of them. And to not be apathetic, but to be compassionate about their needs. Who am I to judge why they can't do their laundry? Are they hung up on crack? Maybe. I was too. And I'm standing here today. Come on. 
on somebody. I might actually preach today. I, I might keep these five extra minutes just because I can. This verse in Hebrews literally says that Jesus shamed shame. Jesus put shame to shame. Despising the shame. He, listen, there is therefore, Romans 8, 1, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are not ashamed. You are not shameful. He despised that. He came to abolish shame. I love that about him. And we walk around shaming people. Well, shame on you. What? My Lord never said that. Matter of fact, what did he tell a, a woman who'd been like with a hundred men and was living with somebody she wasn't supposed to be living with? He didn't shame her. Love on her. Love you. No. Don't say no more. And she did it. You know why? When I read the Gospels, you know what I see Jesus doing? I see him spending time with people. I see him touching and, and caring about them. Not, not rebuking. You know who you, you who we rebuked? Mm, that's right. The religious leaders. The religious leaders. The people who are churchgoers. Like whitewashed tombs, somewhere in my Bible said. Jesus saw the crowds. Number two, he felt compassion. Jesus didn't separate himself from their pain and suffering. He didn't ignore it. He lowered his guard. He, he, he made himself emotionally vulnerable to people who were hurting. He didn't ignore those emotions. No, no, no. You press those things down long enough and far enough, eventually you stop feeling, and that's not a good place to be. Many of us want to run from our emotions. I'll tell you what, we should embrace those things. If your heart breaks for, for, for a people group who are underserved, man, let's start a ministry. Come on, somebody. Hey! Your heart is breaking for a people group, then let's do something about it. Amen. I believe if God calls you to it and you're a part of Grapevine, he'll provide the resource. I'm not, I asked for $200 for quarters. I got like 400 already. Well, we're not done. We're going to do this every month, and if it takes off, we might do it every week. Amen. You don't know. Do it. Oh, I know this one's for Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 says this, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which also was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You know what Jesus' compassion for you did? It took him off the throne and put him on the cross. Compassion did that. His emotion, his 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 his, his look—he stepped into our problem. Yeah, he's God. I think he's God. He probably could handle it any way he wanted to. I mean, he spoke all this stuff. Let there be life. Let there be animals. Let there be sushi. I love that. Okay, well. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go to California here pretty soon. I'm looking forward to right on the coast, you know, real sushi. It's not frozen before it gets out here, you know what I'm saying? Listen, listen, 
Listen to the Greek word. It's in, it's in, it's in your notes there. The Greek origin, or the Greek, the Greek origin of the word compassion. Now, I have a really hard time saying this. It's it's slang, it's zone. Okay? This wait till you wait till you hear what this word actually means. It literally means bowels or intestines. <laughs> That's what that means. So the root word of compassion literally means bowels or intestines. Well, one theologian, 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 he explains the meaning of this Greek word like this. I'm going to read this to you, okay? What it means is that the suffering and sin and abandonment and peril of these men not merely went to the heart of Jesus, but right into his heart. So that their whole plight was now his own. And as such, he saw and suffered it far more intensely than he did. Slang dung nomo shomba. I got the tongues right there. I got the gift of tongues too. It means that he took their misery upon himself, taking it away from them and making it his own. That's compassion. Listen. Compassion isn't just pity. It's feeling their pain, stepping into their pain. It's not a, a lovey-dovey sensation. It's not a, oh, I'm going to do this because I'll feel better. You know what? Can I be honest with you? There's sometimes when you reach into groups of people like this that you don't walk away feeling all that good. In fact, you walk away burdened and you walk away empty because they suck every bit of spiritual life in you because it's what they need. And then you've got to go back to the refueling station. You gotta, and you know how to do that because you're a Christian. You go to the throne and you pray, God, fill me up because I'm getting ready to go back in. And I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about my flesh. I don't want it to be about, about the wisdom. Oh, eight years as a rescue mission director. I can just do this like I know how to do it. No. Every person's different, man. You gotta treat everybody as an individual. They're all created in the image of God. Come on, somebody. Compassion goes straight into the heart and it creates a gut-wrenching feeling where we where we uh, passionately identify with the brokenness of another person. That's compassion. That's what I'm preaching to you today about. That's what drove Jesus from the throne to the cross. He looked at Tom Conway and said, man, that guy is, is, is dead in his trespasses unless I do something about it. And it grieved Jesus so much that he left his throne and hung on a cross yes. for Tom Conway. Yes. Hallelujah, huh, Tom? Yes. Listen, those who choose apathy are choosing to be emotionally absent. But if you choose compassion, you're choosing to become emotionally vulnerable. Means you're laying yourself out there to be hurt. Nobody wants to do that. I don't want to feel pain. I like laughing. I like joking around. I don't like feeling pain. But it's God called us to be compassionate, to pour our life. I'll tell you what, people will get saved. People's lives will change. Have you ever noticed that some of the most amazing signs and wonders in the scripture? Happened immediately after Jesus expressed emotion. Think about think about some of the stories we get to read about how how after Jesus cried and, and how, how the shortest verse in the Bible, right? Jesus wept. Yeah. How, 
After he showed anger, miracles happened. After he rebuked some people like me, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. He was deeply distressed. Remember these things in the gospel? That, that he, was, he was deeply grieved. I'll tell you what, when you identify with the pain that somebody's going through, you don't have to own it. The beautiful thing is you get to carry it from them and leave it at the altar. You get to take that off of them. You get to take it to the throne and you get to leave it there. You don't have to own it. I'm not saying you have to carry it, to carry that burden. No, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. It's easy and it's to have compassion on someone means you're present in their suffering and that you provide a, a way out. You, you provide. Do you know that that scripture that says through every trial and every temptation, God has made a way of escape, that sometimes you are that way of escape? The body of Christ is many times that way of escape. Well, I just need some blessing. Well, maybe God's going to use you to be that blessing. <coughs> I have been... We have been in perilous times. Broke, 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 not sure where we're going to get a turkey to eat Thanksgiving. And a turkey ended up on our front doorstep. Listen, God didn't drop a turkey out of the sky. He could, but he didn't. He used somebody. He used a vessel. Remember one time I had to get my car fixed. I had a job and I had no money and I was... I go home and I look at the mailbox to get the mail. There's an envelope like $500 bills. Grant Smith, I know it was him to this day. He still won't admit it, but I know God told me it was him. <laughs> he got married last night, didn't he? Man, I was supposed to do that wedding, but it was Pacific Palisades. There's no way I could be in Pacific Palisades at 8 o'clock at night and be here this morning to preach the gospel. Huh? Grant, yeah. All right, I'm giving my final point. I told you I didn't keep you five minutes. Jesus took action. The scripture in our text in Matthew said that Jesus taught in the synagogues, that he preached the good news of the kingdom, that he healed every sickness and every disease. Listen, Jesus' compassion compelled him into ministry. Jesus' compassion pushed him into, into areas where he could minister and be a part of, and, and, and miracles could be performed. We're out there looking for the soft spots to, to, to minister and maybe to get our name on some kind of lighted billboard or something like that. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, but a lot of times our flesh rises up and like, oh, what's in it for me? Well, I get recognized. Well, well will anybody see me doing it? I say, that's cool if they do. Yeah, I, you can ask the leaders around here. I don't like people tooting my horn. I, I, but I have to learn to accept that, that God... Is using me in areas, but I still don't like it. I still, I still want people to know that Jesus is the one doing it. Amen. Yeah. The, only, the only reason I could do anything that I'm able to do is because of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus's emotional attachment it wouldn't allow him to ignore the broken people of this planet. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. He could not ignore the needs that were out there. Their pain became his pain. So what he do? He healed them, and he, and, he, and he physically, mentally, and emotionally poured himself into their life. And Jesus raised the dead, and he 
he cast out demons and, and, he, and he brought sight to the blind. Come on, somebody. He gave speech to the mute. He restored hearing to the deaf. He, he cured the leper. Come on, somebody. He forgave the, the adulterous woman. Come on. He forgave you and he forgave me. I don't know about you, but I don't deserve forgiveness. I, I deserve death, and anything greater than death is better than I deserve. But God still saw in my in my sickness and in my disease while I was still a sinner, he died for me. And he said, Ron Wilson, I'm coming for you too, not just Tom Conway. I'm coming because you're a mess and you need a Savior. And there's people out here on the streets of Las Vegas, around right here. We don't even got to go to the strip. Those are visitors. Let the cities they come from deal with them. Come on, somebody. I ain't trying to start no ministry down the strip. I don't feel called to do it. Let the pastors of the cities where they come from be called to do that. I'm called to this city, amen. I'm called to make a difference here. The revival's coming to Las Vegas, amen. I almost preached, and now I'm closing. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each other, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, you can do that, but not only for that, but also for the interests of others. You know, we're bombarded with messages and messes, if you will, that pull us out of the arms of love and compassion and pushes towards an, an attitude of apathy. There are things, can I be honest with you, there are things that I have become indifferent towards because I've seen it so many times. And I'm saying, God, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Let me see through your eyes because my own eyes are fleshly and, and sometimes they get tainted by the world and, and by everyday circumstances. And then, God, I want to I want to love the way you love. Are you dare are you bold enough to pray a prayer like that today? Yeah. Revelation said this. Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea said, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold, I wish you were hot, but, but because you're not, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's apathy. Jesus, it, can I say, simply put, it's disgusting. Yeah. Jesus looks at apathetic heart, he says, that's gross to me. Yeah. I can't deal with that, I don't know how to... Did I just say that? That might be the only thing God doesn't know how to deal with is apathy. Hot or cold? Pick one. Yeah. I can deal with cold, I can deal with hot, but lukewarm? Too <laughs> Right? So pick one, people. You know what they say if you got one foot in yesterday? I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Here's what I'm going to say to close this up right now. Listen, the love and compassion of Jesus Christ will turn this city upside down. Amen. It will. No time, now is the time to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, to, to, to follow his footsteps, to, to let him draw you out of that comfort comfort zone and, and, and just be willing. I'm not saying you have to work at the food bank. I'm not saying you have to work at Lowe's of Love. I'm not saying you have to serve in, in children's ministry. I'm not saying you're called to youth. I'm saying you're all called somewhere. Figure out what it is and let's get busy doing the things of God. Amen? Yeah. 
we can't just cruise along. It's a time to take action. So here's how I'm posing. If you dare to pray with me what I just spoke, that Jesus would break your heart for the things that break his, I want you to stand to your feet and just make your way to this altar right here. Yeah, I'm going to make you move too. Yeah, because if you're serious about that, then you, it, it requires action. That was my last point. It requires action. Someone brought me water, you know them. Hallelujah. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. I expected a good response, but I don't know that I expected this. You guys are all in the boat. You're in the boat? You need it the most. Well, here's my encouragement to you. If you're in the boat now, get out and walk on water. Yeah. Get out of the boat and walk on water. Let's just lift up our hands. Wow. I, you know, I just got to get on my knees at this point right here. Because, Lord, there's a room full of people, an altar filled with people who, who just confessed and took action and stepped out of their comfort zone to say, break my heart, Lord, for the things that Wow, what can you do with that, Lord? So much. God, ministries are being birthed right now in this room. God, there are hearts being stirred. Can I can I speak over somebody who's been waiting for the right time to, to approach me or Pastor Carrie about something God's put in your heart? Can I can I tell you it's the right time? And listen, maybe, maybe it's a season of preparation, but you got to speak it out. Let us pray with you. Let us begin to walk down that road. Let us sense the call of God on our life. Let us not be apathetic to, to, to our city. God placed us here for a reason. You're Christians today. He trusts you. He trusts you in this city. God, that's got to speak so much to you. God would choose you out of all the people on the planet to step into one of the, the, the most sinful cities on the planet, or at least in the United States, and say, I choose you to bring my word and to bring my love to this city. Ooh. Oh, I just felt that, that weight right there. Let that rest in our hearts, Holy Spirit, right here, right now. And just, just tell me, love. Love you, Jesus. Let us be found faithful. The world will try to press in. The enemy will try to steal. But Lord, let us be found faithful. I just, just reach out and touch somebody's shoulder right where they are. I'm going to pray in tongues right now because I feel that it's a and remind you that the gift, the calling of God is not resignation. That God is calling you and appointing you, He will provide for you. But Pastor Ron, it's bigger than me. Yeah, it's good. Holy Spirit, fill us with your Give us a heart of compassion. Move out any areas in our heart that are callous, that are indifferent, that are apathetic towards any need in this city. God, open our eyes as leadership and as family 
Grapevine members, Lord, to the needs around this area. This is our area, God. You gave this territory to us. Let us be faithful. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh, just say amen.